Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Scratch Cinema Podcast. Today is a wondrous, glorious day, even with the world burning, because Quinnell is back. Welcome, Quinnell. Hello. I miss you guys. She thinks flying honestly is trash. She'd rather hit the road again for 22 hours than be in one of those cramped little seats. Oh, my God. It's so real and so true. And, um... For anybody who hasn't flown recently, which should be everyone, it is more trash somehow than it was before. <laughs> is, it, <laughs> is it stressful a little bit? It's stressful. It's upsetting. And airlines really don't care. They don't care. Yeah. They, they're, I thought there were laws. I thought they had to do a certain distance thing. I really did. We bought these this flight because we needed to fly back. We flew I mean, we drove all the way to California to help Nate's mom move, which was just something that was necessary. We had to drive a big U-Haul. It was fine. We were safe. And we were like, okay, well, we have to get back somehow. We're going to have to fly. Mm-hmm. Okay. We got a, got a direct flight. We thought that would be better. We got a direct flight on Spirit, which was foolish. <laughs> yeah, I thought you weren't going to do that anymore. Bro, this flight was booked, like the whole plane. That's scary. We were like, no, we can't do this. We can't. So we had to buy a United ticket in the airport. Did you know that you can't buy plane tickets in airports anymore? Yeah, it's tricky. Why is it tricky? Why is it that I need a ticket from LAX to Cleveland, Ohio? I found it online. Here it is. Here's the listing. They're like, yeah, that's the flight that's leaving. In order for me to get this ticket, I have to call somebody in the Philippines to make this reservation for me. A whole new world. Technology. We're all interconnected. Yay. I just feel like, I feel like there are very few things that when people are like, wow, I really wish I lived in the 1950s. I'm like, that's awful. Everything was terrible. Racism (laughs) and all sorts of bullshit. (laughs) But I tell you, airlines, now that's something because I just feel like we have all just resigned to the steady decline of airplane quality until it's just it is trash. I'd mm-hmm. rather be on a bus or a train or mm-hmm. I like trains. In the cab of a U-Haul than be on that fucking plane, bro. Would you rather um, be in the U-Haul? Yes. <laughs> that At works. least there's leg room in there. That's this fair. is it's just okay. And the second flight we had to take was really spaced out. There weren't a lot of people on it. Explain to me why they booked all of the seats close together. In like mm. the middle six rows and the rest of the plane is empty yeah and there was that news story about people that had tried to spread out to the rest of the plane and then they wouldn't let them and people were oh. like crying in their chairs because they were so worried about it it's like why yeah. not give people space yeah the first flight i think that lady just moved me because i was really gonna make a fuss but still there were still rows like four rows of seats that were completely empty and she was like yeah well they cost extra and i was like that's we're so beyond that. <laughs> that. Like, at this point, everybody who's going to be on this plane is on this plane. Nobody's buying a new seat. Right. You wouldn't even let me buy a new seat. So just let people sit there. I didn't yeah. ask the second time. I just got up and moved. It's just, yeah, it was terrifying. It was I'm really sorry. Terrible. And it made me realize how terrible flying was to begin with. Like having It was to- always bad? Yeah. Like, going from packing my suitcase, which the great thing when you're driving in a car, if something doesn't fit in your suitcase, you throw it in the car. It's not an issue. We had all these miscellaneous items. We had to cram it all into a suitcase. We managed to do that. It was just awful. Was like, but wow, you did it. You made it out. Why? 
why? I mean, I would rather drive. I'd rather drive than this. this yeah. We just yeah. don't have a car. It's the only reason. I would have been yeah. like, forget this. We're driving back from LA. <laughs> and that would have been, how many cross-country drives have you made in the last five years? <laughs> um, I think this is the end of six or seven. Let's see. We did the first one with my mom across the bottom of Texas to Arizona. And then the second one by myself. And then the third one with my mom, fourth one with Morgan, and fifth one with Nate, and then the sixth one with Nate. So it's the end of the sixth one. Wow. That's got to be a record. <laughs> At some point, you're going to break some sort of traveling record on that one. I mean, I think truckers really have that one. That's fair. That's fair. They rule the roads. I have great respect for them and their oh, absolutely. machines, even though they give me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> I don't like that you can't see it to the back of them. At least some of them have to be doing something illegal, and I don't like it. Hey, you know, that's that would make a good movie, honestly. <sighs> Speaking of movies, we're not going to be seeing any of those in theaters anytime soon. Um, before we start into our main topic, which is about road trips slash travel movies, as, as we were getting started, earlier this week it had been clear that Tenet, the big Christopher Nolan... Uh, movie that was supposed to be coming out is not going to be coming out and as soon as that happened literally before we're starting to record and more may change literally every movie is going away Mulan is going away the French Dispatch is going away this movie Antlers that was this cool horror movie by Guillermo del Toro producing is gone like all these big Star Wars movies and the Avatar sequels the four of those that we're getting is gone and then right before we started recording, A Quiet Place 2, which was supposed to be off on Labor Day, is gone. Top Gun Maverick, which was supposed to be in Christmas, is gone, which is the big Christmas movies. The only movies that are still around is Antebellum, which I'm curious about, which is supposed to be on August 21st, but I doubt that will be a thing. Somehow the New Mutants, which has been in development hell for forever, is supposed to be on August 28th. And then Bill and Ted Face the Music, the third Bill and Ted movie, is supposed to be on September 1st, which is both VOD and supposed to be in theaters. And this is all a mess, and I think we just need to call 2020. And the thing that's shitty to say about it is all these movies are existing under the idea that eventually they can come back into theaters, that they'll make money there, which is why some of them aren't being released video on demand or on a streaming service but I don't know if theaters will exist in the way that they will come a year from now, two years from now. And it's just very interesting how they're all just instead domino effect, canceling everything rather than release some of them on streaming. Because honestly, did you see anything about the new mutants today? Cause there was like a comic con thing. I did not. Essentially the new mutants was supposed to come out like almost probably more than a year ago now. And then just kept being like delayed and delayed because it didn't want to conflict with certain movies, didn't want to conflict with other movies. And now they did a Comic-Con panel, but it was they were all on Zoom, which in itself is very surreal to see them all on Zoom and then being like, anyway, it'll be in theaters on August 28th. Hmm. They released the first two minutes of the movie, which I'm not going to judge too harshly because I haven't seen the whole movie. It's the first two minutes, even though it doesn't look particularly good. But they're just like, oh, yeah, it'll be in theaters August 28th. And they're, like, doing a prize contest where you can win tickets to see it. And I'm like, just put it on Disney+. Plus. Like, 
that that's the only way anyone's going to see it in the next year if you do something like that and i don't know it all of this just feels like putting off the inevitable that anything is still clinging to a release date and i hate to say it like that but i think we just got to call it on 2020 there's nothing else that can that can really exist <laughs> well I, i'm i'm sorry to say it like that but it's like so tenant might get released internationally there might be some sort of international distribution deal but even then i don't know if it's your movie versus people's lives being put at risk if you really don't want to release them fine i guess but or don't want to release them video on demand but don't release them in theaters and put people at risk i'm someone who loves the theater experience as much as anybody but it's just not in the cards like schools are being shut down if yeah. schools are going all well, over, they're trying to open them but it's probably being shut down in washington this evening literally every single school district is just one after the other domino effect as soon as seattle said that they're recommending there's no in-person instruction like if there's no schooling which is i understand a tough decision because it's a public good and kids will have a hard time without it but the alternative is putting students and teachers at mm -hmm. risk it's like there's no way any of these movies by christmas are going to be able to be shown and i want to see these movies i do well you want any good news um the tax collector starring shia labeouf will still be being released oh digitally God. on august 7th for anybody who's stoked about it <laughs> I, I have i am not sure or certain that movie even exists i <laughs> i've heard so much about it and it just seems like such a strange artifact you haven't seen have you seen the trailer i have seen the trailer but i'm convinced it could be a fake trailer <laughs> that it is something designed in a lab to mess with us and there's no way that that's a real movie well i hope shia labeouf didn't get that big tattoo for a prank but he could that's that's part of it i almost am like Why? there's no way he did that but it's just it's a picture just a picture of his parents i know i know i'm not surprised i'm really not he had removed He's his crazy. tooth for what was was it fury he had like purposely taken out one of his own teeth um mm -hmm. I don't know. We can transition using Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> that was the plan. <laughs> yeah. So you don't have anything you're thinking about with movies besides the Shia LaBeouf movie? I just don't think they should be releasing movies. I don't know why. It's a, I, I guess part of me just struggles with the idea that so many businesses are just refusing to do the right thing. And it doesn't seem like it's a complicated thing. And it I is, feel It is just tough for them because they're having to accept that they're going to close. There was a really like well-known bar in seattle that just had to close today like forever i hate to say it this way but maybe they should just push themselves to be a little innovative because how do you innovate your way out of a pandemic though you, for example for example i was in california i there's a girl that was staying where i was staying um a housemate who works in a, a farmer's market sort of thing thing and she was talking about how right before the pandemic, there was a wine bar that opened. Mm -hmm. And obviously, they had big plans to be a wine bar that but didn't work man. out. They can't. And so they basically used the bar space and put up this sort of glass wall mm -hmm. and became in the past few months a pantry where mm -hmm. you go and you shop from the other side of the glass and they pack everything and they just deliver it to, to you. 
I just don't I know, know every that not every business can do, can do that. Yeah. I know that every business can't do that, but I do feel like I personally am having trouble with this idea that like businesses that have, I mean, I think not having money is one thing, like not being able mm. to have that sort of funding and have that sort of lifeline. But I feel like if you're in a position where you have a little time and a little bit of comfort to reimagine what this is going to look like in a pandemic. I just don't like the idea that so many people were just like, Oh, we'll just wait. We'll just wait until it's over when it's. Yeah. There definitely needs to be, especially when it regards to movies, the thoughts of like how it's going to be potentially helped from now till then, but live entertainment, be it a movie or I interviewed people who are opening up stand-up comedy clubs. There was a, comedian nate jackson who was supposed to open his club with a grand opening which he managed to pull off and then several shows but then washington said no more live entertainment we don't want anything that's a draw and he can't replicate that live in-person comedy experience and there can be food and drink minimums at comedy clubs but you don't really make it off of that you make some money from that but it's mostly tickets and then people coming out absolutely i mean i'm i am accepting that some businesses uh, we'll probably have to close, but I just feel like businesses that have that cushion, especially big things like theaters, they just need to think about what does the future of this look like yeah. rather than uh, we're just going to wait it out until we go bankrupt. <laughs> That's kind of where things are at. And theaters are waiting on studios to say when their movies are going to come out because that's what's going to draw people into theaters. Like drive-ins are doing old throwback movies, but I'm really theaters, drive-ins. drive-ins are good. There's some good drive-in stuff coming up. Speaking of driving, we're going to talk about some road trip movies (laughs) and Shia LaBeouf because we were talking about Shia LaBeouf. Um, We saw a bunch of road trip movies because Clonell had the good suggestion of talking about them. And the first one was American Honey, which is a movie I had not seen but have been meaning to see for a long time. And I'll I'll let Clonell explain what is American Honey about. I absolutely loved this movie. Um, American Honey is about this young girl is she actually i think she starts off in oklahoma actually but Mm -hmm. she's texan and she is kind of just stuck in a rut she's raising somebody else's kids she's leaving living with this sexually abusive man and she runs into this guy trying to hitchhike who says he can offer her a job she doesn't really know what the job is he's charming there's clearly a lot of chemistry there and she sort of abandons her life mm-hmm. kind of abandons these kids but they weren't really hers to be yeah with. and she didn't have much holding her back like she no. gets asked like is anyone going to miss you and she says no no and her her mom at least has passed away mm-hmm. no both both of her parents have passed away and so she just doesn't have anybody who's yeah anybody who's gonna miss her and so she just hits the road with this sort of ragtag gang of people who were essentially in similar situations they're definitely having their misfortune abused but um they're trying to make the most of it and they what what exactly are they doing as they go door to door selling magazines but Mm -hmm. for the most part they are uh, selling their sorrows and their charisma and trying to convince these people to give them some money Mm -hmm. (laughs) so they can have a small cut of it and feel like they're building something and on the B plot, she is kind of falling in love with this toxic man. You think but it's love? I think it's at the very least very romantic. And I 
I didn't like it at first. I was like, this seems like toxic love. I don't like it. Yeah. It's just, it's creepy, but it was, I don't know. There was something sweet about it. I think both those I things can like. be true that it is a toxic, unhealthy thing, but because it's kind of a story that you'll tell, there is a bittersweetness to it, even if it's toxic and bad and he's not great and is manipulative of her. He's. But it's not just that. It's. I feel like with his character and the way that he expresses affection for her, which mm-hmm. is mostly just giving her random gifts and. But he's he's like stealing. <laughs> that them he's stealing. Yeah. 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 I mean, but not just that. I feel like there's an off screen effort that comes from his character mm-hmm. that is really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Because, for example, when she she leaves him the first time, she just kind of leaves him on the side of the road, like you're being an asshole. She gets in this car with this a bunch of older white men, sort of takes off, mm-hmm. and for they're the most part, you know, they're all cowboys, quote unquote. But she has she has a great time. She manages to make a sale. It's kind of creepy and eerie, and I'm worried yeah. the entire time that something bad is going to happen to it's her. Very it's very tense. Just, there's this shot where she follows the guy downstairs to where the pool entrance is, but you don't know where the pool is. Like, you don't see it. It's out of frame. And it's just her creepily walking into this basement with this man. And it is just a terrifying five seconds until you see that pool. And I really enjoyed the cinematography of that. But either way, the point is that he comes to find her. And things escalate. Every, but, but it's the finding her. It's every time he managed to do, manages to do that. Mm-hmm. I have to take a step back and think, how? So that's that's kind of a broader thing I was thinking about through a lot of it. It felt very much like a fairy tale in some ways where it will have inexplicable moments or things that don't quite logically make sense. But I I buy into that because the feel of it, the tone of it is that it's a very irreverent, adventurous dark at times but sort of almost not quite magical realism but sort of a gritty fairy tale-esque story where in reality she's been there maybe 20 minutes and they drove there there's no way unless he hitchhiked which is unlikely all the way over there but see it's that it's the trying to figure out how he found her that really let me allow it to be romantic because okay. I felt like every other part I was like this is awful you shouldn't be with this person but at the same time he does not let her get into a lick of trouble without somebody paying for it at any right. point and it's that I don't but know, sometimes he of... creates the trouble though I mean but most of the time she's not even in trouble <laughs> she gets in trouble with um Riley Keough's character who is um Crystal that runs everything mm-hmm. he- He'll get her in trouble there frequently. That's true, actually, but it never. I mean, I mean, trouble where she could end up like hurt, really hot. Yeah, really hurt. Like anytime she goes off with a, a new yeah. character, she just just he just discovers her somewhere, and I just don't understand why or how. And it, I soften to it a little bit. By so were the, you harsh on it at the beginning? Oh, absolutely. I was like, this is t- terrible toxic love. This is what people are, are romanticizing toxic love. That's what that looks like. Where you mm. can really say whatever you want and just be rude and disrespectful to each other and then make out. And that's that's And everything's cool. fine. Yeah, I didn't like that. But I did like that he seemed so set on protecting her and asking questions later. 
I gotta say, I think everyone's really good in it, though. It may be one of my favorite Shia LaBeouf performances, because I kept forgetting it was him. Like, the first interaction is so strange and chaotic, but really interesting. Every, like, besides the main three, even though Sasha Lane was discovered, who plays Star, this was Mm -hmm. essentially her breakout role. All the kids basically feel like first-time actors, Mm -hmm. and I believe they are. And it's basically mm-hmm. she just took them off the street and it gives it a very because sometimes that can be bad where you feel it you feel the fact that they're straining to figure out what they're doing or there's moments where they like look at the camera or do something but everyone just was like very authentic and going back and forth and they're all flawed and kind of chaotic and sometimes violent have you seen the movie gummo i've not seen the movie Gummo. okay Gummo is a little bit more extreme than this. This has a little bit more of a structured story, but it felt like a riff on that type of very isolated, downtrodden group of kids who don't really have much opportunity, and this is what they find, and they're sort of just living with it, even if it's a very harsh world where, like, literally they have a loser's night where the person that doesn't make the most money essentially has to fight and gets pretty seriously hurt, and... I don't know. I thought it was really good, though. It, it might have been my favorite of all the movies that we picked. Really. <laughs> oh, it definitely was my favorite of all the movies. Another thing I loved but about it. I don't it, know if that's how, saying much. Like, hey, right, coming, coming fresh off of a road trip, mm-hmm. I felt like this movie in the margins really captured the magic of road trips, partially mm-hmm. through the soundtrack, which mm-hmm. I really loved, and it was just a lot of songs yeah. that you you would just hear on the radio or playing yourself and also by repeating those songs. Yeah. I really liked that, that there was a certain repetition to them having a playlist, that there are some, some songs you only listen to once, some t- songs you listen to two or three times. And also the shot, the nature shots, just sort of getting mm-hmm. caught up watching a bug or a frog or some and grass. There's, there's the repeated really cool. kind of, theme that she is a savior she'll save bugs she like mm-hmm. takes a spider outside the ending is of a turtle yeah, she's the like spiders, a very, the, the bee in the pool yeah she's a very caring compassionate person even as she sometimes doesn't express it to other people she will do small little things that no one else can see which i thought was just like a really interesting little detail i'd say a movie i would compare this to would actually be mid-90s <laughs> Yeah, I think um, so too. Yeah. And I also really of, like that movie too. Yeah, sort of a misfit band and just um being able to capture the genuinity of their interactions. Mm-hmm. Another thing I really liked is there was something about the directing that really allowed you to wax and wane with whether or not the chaos of the way that they lived was fun. Yeah. Um, so there are scenes at the very beginning where she joins them. They're all drinking in the van. They're listening to music, and it's fun. And then there are scenes later on that are almost exactly like that. But there's this sort of tension and this overlapping in the music, and it just feels like it's getting increasingly more chaotic. Really, until you get to that sort of bonfire scene where they're fighting, and it's there's an ominous scary. tension kind of throughout yeah. all of it that something is building. And I'm glad Absolutely. nothing catastrophic happened because i think it's a little more balanced to have it be that there are some moments of trauma but everyone comes out relatively at least alive on the other side because there were times i was like they could get killed here and no one would know yeah um but also that they 
see their existence throughout this film is waiting. It mm-hmm. just feels like everybody is in this limbo, this big waiting room. And you don't, you, you kind of get glimpses of everybody's story, why they're here, where they might be going. But for the most part, nobody asks, which is sort of, you know, captured in that scene where the trucker asks her if she has any dreams. And she later on asks Shia LaBeouf's character if he has any dreams. And just sort of this idea that everybody has one, but nobody's talking about it right now because that's just not what the focus is. But they are headed somewhere. Mm-hmm. I really, I really liked that. I really appreciated it. Me too. The The last closing thought I had is this just makes me all the more sad that the director and writer, Andrea Arnold, without going too much into it, she was kind of the showrunner for the second season of Big Little Lies. And I don't know if you know anything about that, but she basically had that whole vision and show that she had in mind kind of taken from her and then them like reshoot it kind of behind her back. And it was just kind of a really bad thing to do to someone where it's like, if this was the vision that you knew she was going to bring to it, you shouldn't then kind of undercut her, especially because I think it's a very unique vision and anyone listening should watch this movie. I I really, really liked it. It's It's long, but the length feels relevant and it doesn't feel too long. It doesn't drag on every single scene. You're really engaged with it. All the performances are very authentic. The visuals, there's the one times where sun will peek into the van. Beautiful. It's all good. Yeah. It's just it's like a road trip. I really, I really enjoyed that. Um I'm sorry to hear that about Andrea Arnold. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. And she's gonna be fine, but it's still just like a bummer of a situation for people involved in it, for us who kind of see this like weird mishmash of two people's creative visions where it's like if you weren't gonna let her kind of do it you should have been straightforward about that I don't know Mm -hmm. I wasn't there I can't know but I remember reading a lot of the reporting about it and it being being unfortunate because if if her if that show wherever it is her version of it is anything like this I'm sure it would have been much better to see Um, I do also think it's interesting to have um, a British director have captured uh, middle America so beautifully so because it, authentically yeah and it's so rare that filmmakers even want to see that having <laughs> driven across the country so many times it was it was refreshing it was something I didn't realize that I had only ever seen while on a road trip and never seen on screen mm-hmm. yeah I agree and really focused on the parts of America that are um sort of along the along the way sort of the kind of places that are near highways and focused on industry and it was was interesting yeah and not always sort of the big identifiable landmarks this is sort of the everyday places people end up and the people that inhabit those places and that that's what made it really great Um, sort of the canyons and grasslands in between you just kind of get to see them yeah it was good it was really good so I'll let you talk about Magic Mike because I don't want to be too harsh on it. But. <laughs> you know what? We're going to start by talking about Magic Mike 1 because... Okay. You um, don't like it and I do like it. Oh, I want to know why you like it. <laughs> because it at least felt like there were themes and more... Not, okay, wait, wait, wait. Not at least. Not in comparison to the second one. I just want to okay. know like what you liked okay. about it. So the first one, it has a lot of the dance sequences and stuff that are like fun and Channing Tatum is a great performer and all of them are really great performers at what they're doing are very athletic 
but I think there's a real interesting core to it. And I remember reading former strippers talk about it and they were like, yeah, there's some stuff in there that's very raw and real feeling. And I thought the direction from Steven Soderbergh had kind of more of a visual, interesting approach to it. And even though it's silly, him trying to achieve something, and I mentioned it to you when we were talking about it, him trying to go to a bank and get a loan with his folded up stripper money, mm-hmm. it's really silly, but it's kind of an interesting scene. And I never thought I'd see it kind of like that. And him being very genuine him having his glasses and his suit and his whole business plan. I, I was rooting for the characters and I was connected with it. And Matthew McConaughey's character of kind of being this washed up former stripper who still will do a show now and again, but is kind of implied to be on his last hurrah or is fading away. It, it was felt very interesting. I was connecting to the characters. It had more of a story and, and wasn't just about the stripping. You got to learn about the characters and what motivated them, what they were trying to do. And when things go bad at a certain point, I really was like, wow, this is, this is rough. And yeah, that's what I liked about it. What didn't you like? <laughs> I mean, okay. I'll, I'll admit that I think that the first Magic Mike is a more serious film. It's easier to take it seriously. It's not just about, ooh, fun and all the strippers. It's really about... And I have no problem of, with that either. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I, me neither. I just think that, surprisingly, I wasn't as attached to the characters. Mm-hmm. And I never did really get attached to them. Like, I was attached to their plight, but I didn't feel like the delivery captured mm-hmm. me at all. I thought, thought the first one was rather forgettable honestly (laughs) the first time I saw it and so my decision to go see the second one had a lot to do with the possibility of it being better (laughs) I guess the thing interesting the thing for me was I felt like it was more than just sort of spectacle they at least were trying to go some depth into it that's true Whereas, whereas in the second one there's like one or two moments where I was like, okay, there's kind of some character stuff going on here. The one moment was like Donald Glover talking about how even if he became rich and famous off his music, he would still be wanting to do what he was doing. And it was kind of an interesting conversation, but then you learn nothing more about his character and he goes away. That's true. Oh yeah, he definitely isn't. He he was definitely cast to get people excited. I know, because he's him and he's great. Yeah. And every everyone's pretty good in it. It's just, for one thing, and I told this to you, it basically jettisons every single plot yes. thread from the first movie to the point where they might as just have called this like stripper road trip and stripper road trip. Okay, so that would be great, but I don't know why this is called Magic Mike. <laughs> Let's talk about why I loved stripper road trip. Um, this yeah, it really does abandon everything about the first film. There's nothing difficult or gritty about this movie. This movie is fun, and it is really, really fun. And I was okay with that, honestly. I liked the idea that the first movie. I guess I kind of wish that they'd been the other way around. Yeah, because I felt like the way the first movie was advertised you really thought that you were getting into a fun interesting stripper movie and that Which is not more what you got dour than that at times absolutely yeah. most of the time most of the film was pretty dour and i think i was disappointed 
And I feel that this second movie said, okay, well, if we've talked about this darkness and the sadness of trying to struggle to make something of yourself, which isn't unique to stripping, but definitely seen throughout that film. Let's talk about the bonding. Let's talk about some brotherhood that is formed over doing this activity together. And I love that. I'm all for the bonding. I just didn't buy the bonding as much. I didn't get as many scenes of them connecting that much. Like it, that was the whole movie. What else did we get? <laughs> you also get like weird hijinks where they crash the van and like so that they can find an excuse to go to this place and then go to this place. Oh, I feel like that's how you build brotherhood in these films. <laughs> but all right, I enjoyed that mode. But yeah, I'll agree that it was definitely more hangover esque. Yeah, another film that I adore. <laughs> I guess that's where I in in road trip esque travel movies it can get a little bit, I don't want to say cliche, but it's like you sort of are like, we have to keep people moving and then go to this. And it's like, you have an existing story and you don't want to know what to do with them. Have them go on a road trip. There's an easy, easy motivation. You have to see them get from point A to point B and that's it. I will agree with you that it, it probably would make more sense to have the second movie first and the first mm-hmm. movie second. Yeah. But to me, that just makes it make even less sense as to... Because it's the same writer, I'm pretty sure. And maybe they just were like, I want to have this be more fun. But then it just is like, theme-wise, very strange to have it be like, what about like all this dark stuff that they were involved in to then sort of just be like, oh yeah, these characters weren't... that completely. They just, I feel like hints of it. Yeah, I feel like they talk... I feel like the first one is more about the possibility of abuse and the second one is more about the people who have made this their life because at the end of the day um in the first film what's the character's name the one that's not matt and mike is they um, just call him the kid I, I don't remember yeah so adam that's his name in the first film adam isn't really cut out for this no absolutely <laughs> is the not. truth but i feel like the second movie focuses more on okay well which people are cut out for this and let's send them on an adventure together and yeah maybe it was a cheaper film but i <laughs> felt very warm and fuzzy afterwards for sure it's it just feels sort of hollow in comparison i think i think the sequencing if it had been flipped would have been interesting but as it is now i've never seen two movies so different in tone still be part of the same thing that it it felt just so strange and bizarre as to why even connect them and it's because people recognize the name. But I also like the idea that both of these things can be real. Both, <laughs> that of both these, these two can things can be the same, like two sides of the same coin that is this experience. I and guess maybe it just took it too far to the other side of the coin for me. I love that. I was like, wow, great. You guys got a movie for you. You guys who really love watching dour shit. <laughs> and we got one too because we deserve to get to watch Channing Tatum have fun with this. I think he had fun with the first one too. There were the first yeah. scenes at the beginning where he was. And like they really out. milked those scenes in the commercials and just conned us I all know. into the theater. This is trash. I'm aware there was some deception people felt with that first movie that it ended up being more of a character study. Yes, I it just was am tr- deception. <laughs> I'm just trying to point to any like moments of character growth. Cause like they so the main one is in the first movie he has a relationship that 
it's kind of building to where he needs to figure out what's he what he wants to do with his life how he wants to connect with people and at the end it seems like he's really undergone some growth and in this it happens off screen where it turns out she wasn't interested in him for some reason and then oh but there's a new person who he talks with like twice new love interest oh movie's over and it's like that's fine i I actually really liked their their romance wasn't was it even romantic really it was it just it's not what the movie was about and i liked that that like it was something that hey is happening in the periphery and that's interesting but the last scene is about him and his bros (laughs) i know i do like the last scene i like that but i feel like the last scene was like and like you know how there's like character arcs that was like suddenly everything's dying down. Oh, this like 30 second character arc of like, oh, him reflecting and kind of being okay and realizing that he's still happy. But oh boy. I, I guess know. I just didn't feel like that happened in 30 seconds, but I don't, I agree that it wasn't something that felt thoughtfully written. I I'll liked take it. That. Okay, that's fair. I liked it more than Eat, Pray, Love, but that's. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> okay, so I'll describe the plot, and I haven't read the book, so I don't, I don't want to badmouth the book because the book could very much be its own thing, could have a lot more to it. I've heard people were engaged with the way she wrote, and I imagine some of that is lost when it comes to screen, even though I have heard some criticism of the book. But the movie is a woman is trying to find herself, so she decides to take a year away from her life, essentially, and break it into three parts, Eat, Pray, Love, where she goes to Italy, India, and Bali to find herself and life. And Guys, Chase May is making this movie sound so much <laughs> lamer than it is. Okay, what is it actually? Okay. What am I missing? Okay. <laughs> A woman who has found supposedly success and love and all the things that you are expected to have with the exception of children um realizes that she's unhappy in her life in her skin and she gets a divorce which very much blindsides her husband and he has a really hard time dealing with it in the meantime she does the things that she thinks are normal to recover she has a new fling and then she realizes that none of these things are satisfying her mm-hmm. the way that her desire to travel and her desire to get out of her own comfort zone because she has has a monologue to viola davis where she says like i've never not been like seeing someone or like being with someone yeah but not just that she's put this dream of hers on the back burner viola davis sort of talks to her about having a child and she's like well how did you know you were ready to have a baby and she's like well i have this box and she just has started collecting idly baby things because she knows that she's ready and she's like oh well i have a similar box it's full of national geographic so she just has this dream that she's always wanted and the second she decides to sort of head back out on it her husband's like yeah actually i want to do my thing and i don't think that there are enough examples throughout the film of the fact that he just did that a lot right (laughs) um besides that moment and later on she has sort of a flashback to her own her wedding Mm -hmm. uh, part part of a part of the parts of the movie that i find problematic but we'll talk about it later she has a flashback to her wedding in which he decided um that instead of them doing the wedding dance that they'd practiced and planned for that he was just going to play a fun song and do a fun dance for her and it was sweet but you also (laughs) start to understand that 
he just did what he wanted. He's selfish. And, yeah, and he just didn't see her there trying to exist. And so she just tries to head out into the world to just relearn how to exist on her own. Right, which I agree. that Your description of it, I think that central core of trying to figure out what you want your life to be like, that that is potentially compelling. I don't think this capitalizes on it as much as it could, especially considering how long it is. It's it's way longer than it needs to be, and I normally don't say that, but considering we watched American Honey, which I believe is substantially longer, but this feels like a slog, and it's mostly just kind of globetrotting, cliche, like, gotta eat some food, do some praying, hook up with Javier <laughs> Bardem, and then call it a day. I'm just going to disagree. And okay. I'm disagreeing about eat, pray, love, okay. all and things. What are, what are the positive things you take away from it? Okay, so I appreciate, well, as a character, I appreciate her discomfort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that she okay. has this whole plan to go out into the world because she just isn't feeling anything. And she's not comfortable. She doesn't get out there and is like, wow, this is exactly what I'm looking for. She's uncomfortable the entire time. For sure. <laughs> she's She has a hard time connecting with people. And then when she finally does, it's like she just gets to build this family. Mm-hmm. And you realize there's, I mean, there's a lot of conversation about family and about her needing a man. But more than anything, uh, this idea that you need these people and that is what is permanent in life. And it's one of the first things that lady tells her when she gets a place in Italy mm-hmm. is that everything falls apart. She asks her if the scaffolding is safe. She's like, it's up there so the ceiling doesn't fall down because everything falls apart except for for family and love. Oh, it's a metaphor. Oh, oh absolutely. But, and she, I know. But I think when she says it to her, she doesn't understand because she doesn't yet understand Italian. She doesn't, oh. it, like half of the conversation is- I thought you were passion. saying she didn't She didn't get that it's a metaphor. Like it's no, such a on the head of mara- metaphor. Yeah, she didn't understand what she said because she hasn't like yet learned Italian and the woman is back and forth between talking to her in English and talking to her in Italian. So yeah. as an audience, you hear things that she doesn't hear throughout mm-hmm. the first you know, section of the film. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> I liked okay. the shots of food. I liked that she was falling in love with her body again by- eating and feeling fulfilled that way especially because when i am on trips my number one pastime is food all i want to do is eat food across the world and that's 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 the trip um and i really feel like she managed to do that by sort of experiencing this culture through food and then at the end sharing her own culture through food which was a turkey and tragic but they seemed to enjoy it so that was fine can we talk about like the other two sections? Prey like, is not- a problem. Yeah. Prey is an issue that, you know, I knew this movie wasn't going to age perfectly. I no. knew that I was walking into a movie about a white woman exploring the world and it was going to get bad. And it did because, and it didn't need to actually. No, yeah. It was 100% I avoidable. I think that they made a poor decision by focusing so much on the white people. And I don't, I don't mean this in any sort of mean way. It just, she went to Italy and she bonded with the Italian people that she met there. Not all of them Italian, some of them visiting, but she really 
experience that culture and that seems beautiful and appropriate and, and you got to at least india. know the humans behind the culture exactly she went to india and she bonded with a man from texas yeah and every part of her interaction with other people and people from india was just sort of this hey let's hint at a quick sob story so that we can have a heartfelt moment where she connected with somebody like you where it always ends up being about her but not just yeah. that it's i mean i feel like i'm okay with this idea that it is about her self exploration but i don't like that those parts of the movie they don't even bother giving the characters any sort of development like you find out that that girl is in an arranged marriage that she's not comfortable with and she's here trying to search spiritually before her wedding like 5 seconds before the wedding scene <laughs> It's and very superficial and rushed. It's like yeah. we just gotta we gotta throw in some sort of moments, but we don't like really you've, care. You've seen this person three times, and they have had five lines. Obviously, she and this person have bonded a lot, and they're having an emotional connection. And I just I didn't like that. I I was fine with her using them as like vessels to talk about herself. I feel like that's what the movie is about, and that's okay. But I just uh, the lack of development and the fact that you get so much development from other characters. This man from Texas didn't even need to be here. He didn't. I I get it. She met other divorced people along along her journey, but his presence, the things that she learned from him would have been better communicated if she had just engaged with the culture and learned it that way, which I feel like she almost did in Bali. And still not quite. Yeah. Still though the That's generous. The woman and her child that she kind of bonded with that you still yeah. really only meet twice. Mm-hmm. And every time it's just them sort of giving you of oh, the first one's them kind of connecting and the second one is a sob story and the third one is how she inserted herself in the situation. <sighs> it's better in it's, Bali, but it's not good. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's if it's better than worse. It's still not great. Yeah, which I I didn't love that part. I felt like, but I also went into this movie feeling like that was the part that was going I to know. age poorly. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm watching an older movie about a white woman going okay. through self-exploration. That some of these films just don't, they I, I know, they but don't I, have the I don't think we should awareness. let, I don't think we should let it, not off the hook, but give it so much leeway as to say because it came out oh i don't think over i'm letting it years. off the hook i think i'm just explaining the, the trend of that time was yeah i know but i would say there were well. there was the potential for them to do some research and reading that could have better informed the story and made it so that they didn't have to sacrifice her personal growth or her own spiritual journey but they could have i think also both enhanced that but also gotten to know more of the world she was in rather than just sort of like passing through and then okay goodbye i agree i just think in the year 2010 that's where a lot of films were falling short i feel like this particular trend led to a lot of people i mean a lot of films that people that received criticism for similar reasons that's all not that it needs to be let off the hook i still think it could have been done better i just I didn't expect it to do better, is That's what fair. I'm saying. That's um, h- however, I did enjoy her her journey, and I enjoyed her falling in love. And, yeah. and I like Javier Bardem. Oh, oh, my gosh. He loved his children the way moms love their kids, and it was 
so shocking and refreshing to see that sort of fatherly love on screen. <laughs> My whole heart. And it tears at those heartstrings. It does. I did want to ask, just so I don't forget, what was the thing you were saying where it was her wedding and her marriage? What was what was the thing from there that you had referenced earlier that you wanted to get to? Oh, that I thought was uncomfortable? Yeah. Or the, the scene where this woman's wedding reminds her of herself, mm-hmm. she's so self-involved and sort of... That's like, the movie, though. I know, but the, at that moment, there was... I feel like the movie is about her being self-involved, absolutely, about her looking for herself. But a lot of it is also about her trying to reach out and connect with people. Mm-hmm. And I think that even though I still think she connects with all the wrong people and it doesn't really make sense writing-wise, I think that as an actress, Julia Roberts managed to sort of communicate that connection in a lot of these other scenes. Mm-hmm. But there's something about the wedding scene that Just doesn't so line up. Extreme. Yeah, it doesn't line up with the way that she that she is talking about herself. She looks mm-hmm. angry for the entire wedding. And she she does. She looks so upset. And I understand that part of it is just supposed to be the passive disapproval of this girl having to be a part of an arranged marriage. But at the same time, if you make eye contact with a bride at her wedding, why do you look so angry? <laughs> and there was just a part of it that seemed it just made me nauseous honestly yeah just watching her think about herself and just be like ah women being forced into a wedding with a man she doesn't love and i just don't think that she had she communicated enough empathy in that scene yeah i think it might be that that's baked into the character though that she doesn't have much self-reflection or capability of thinking outside herself empathetically to the point where she doesn't immediately recenter herself as the only part of it that matters. And that's but not just her as an act- Right. And it's like, so you want her to just be happy at the wedding? Is I just, oh, yeah. Honestly, honestly, they, I really do think it could have been solved easily with just, I mean, even a look of pity. Pity would have been yeah. better than the look that she gave her, which was just kind of vindictive yeah it was really really upsetting and then later on to interact and be like oh i've been praying for you you don't even look like that's true (laughs) just that scene felt like a lie and it made me so upset that this is you've had all these surface levels interact surface level interactions with this girl and i'm supposed to believe that you all are connected and you were scowling at her wedding I mean, you've never wanted to scout at a wedding where you're... No, no, <laughs> not one time. <laughs> I don't know. What if we we talked about, what was it, uh, Palm Springs a few weeks ago where they're stuck at a wedding every single day? What if you're stuck at a wedding every single day? You wouldn't get... probably wouldn't. You're, you're... Okay, you just like weddings. I do love weddings, but I also feel like, like back to the movie, that moment needed to be more about camaraderie that she okay. seems to be able to find with freaking everybody. <laughs> Except in this moment where it was very crucial for her growth that this was a moment of empathy, but it just wasn't there. Yeah. All and right. Well, it if it's all me. building to that and it falls flat, then I feel like it, it maybe failed even what I was trying to It do. did. I do think it And even her flashback to her wedding was about these happy moments. Yeah. And she just, it, it, there's something there that doesn't line up. And yeah. I didn't, 
and made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Do you have any other closing thoughts before we move on to Little Miss Sunshine? Um, I don't think you all need to see Eat, Pray, Love, but I did love it. <laughs> and <laughs> I did feel like, I mean, I also don't think that, uh, I mean, I guess lots of women who do receive this criticism won't like the sound of this, but I don't think that women receive the same criticism for being as single mm-hmm. as she <laughs> currently, as she did then. Yeah. But I did appreciate the address, this idea that maybe even if the world is telling you that you can't go it on your own, that you can, but you still don't have to. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> you can be in just this personal war against love and still fall in love. Yeah. And that's really sweet. Anyhow. The only thing I'll throw in is that I just, I like the movie Walter Mitty more, which the secret life of Walter Mitty, which you didn't see it, but was one we were potentially going to talk about. And it's fine. You didn't. Cause I would say that's still one that, I don't know if it's a guilty pleasure, but I like the general arc of it a little bit better. And it feels at least a little bit more self-aware and understanding because the underlying thing of it is just that like, oftentimes these movies can use every single location as a backdrop and setting. And that's sort of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, at least Walter Mitty seemed to have some sort of self-awareness in moments where it would take a pause as compared to this but i don't know i don't want to talk about it too much i i like secret life walter mini um but you want to talk about little miss sunshine because do you remember how you described little miss sunshine to me how did i describe it i think you used the word weird but it's a it very is weird. weird why is it weird quinnell what is it about that's a great question that's a great question <laughs> because what is it about um it is about a little girl who wants to compete in a pageant and a road trip that they take her to bomb this pageant. <laughs> not bomb it. Oh, she, I mean, not, not literally physically bomb it, but yeah, she bombed it. She did terribly. Oh, she did great for herself. <laughs> <laughs> no, she did very, very poorly, but it did not matter because the people who were with her just love her. her. Yeah, I know. But she did very poorly. <laughs> Well, she was never going to win, and I think... I didn't know that. (laughs) Oh, you, from the beginning, you didn't get the impression that it was all building to sort of this... No, no. Weirdly enough, connecting back to Magic Mike, it's all a road trip to then this thing, and in Magic Mike XXL, they sort of just get there and then do it, and they're great, and we, we don't really know what happens, but they're like, yeah, it's great. In this, it's sort of like she's built up all these expectations that she's gonna be fantastic, and she isn't, and I know it's a cliche, but it's much more about the journey than it was about the destination. Oh, absolutely. If it she had won is. it, it would have been too sort of cliche of, oh, yeah, see, we get the medal at the end. But instead, it's like, oh, no, this strange group of people. did something so much crazier. <laughs> I know. This strange group of people just totally make a total spectacle of the whole thing and then just run away in their car again. <laughs> <laughs> which is what's great such a wild ending it is great and i do love it for that and i do i've watched the movie more than once i do really like it it's just so so bizarre i agree and i think the tone kind of at times throws me off because steve carell plays a gay man who has attempted suicide Mm -hmm. paul dano wants to be in the military and is like basically taking a vow of silence but then when he learns, oh no, I'm sorry, the Air Force. When he learns the he Air can't Force. be in, 
when he learns that because he's colorblind, he can't be in the Air Force, his whole world collapses around him. Alan he has Arkin. That's a breakdown in the middle of his road trip, which <laughs> can't relate to that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but to me, all those tone can balance with kind of the more quirky, silly humor because it feels very darkly humorous where it's like every single moment of a joke is connected to the more like kind of serious sadness Mm -hmm. where it kind of connects together a little bit better i also think the start is really good where it's just her watching and like the tv reflected in her glasses and how like she's just like this is going to be my thing and it's kind of that passion that only a kid can have which is i'm about to say something mean possibly misguided that she has it built up in her head that she could do this whereas me i'm like there ain't no way she's gonna do this the whole time i would have been shocked if she went up on stage and like balloons fell down and like she crushed it like that would tell you i was so excited to see her real talent and to find out that she didn't have any was heartbreaking i was uncomfortable i was worried and and i was just happy that she had those people I mean, I guess that's what the movie is about, though, which is about all these people who really need support from each oh, other. Yeah. But, oh, geez, the, they need a lot of support. And that scene really allows you to step into the film and step into the discomfort in its entirety. And yeah. at that point, you feel like you're part of their family. Like, it really draws you in just to make sure that you experience this the way that you're supposed to. I know. And in that discomfort definitely gets you. But then when kind of afterward, you're like, I don't see how else this could have gone. It kind of makes sense where it was like, not actually that important. And in many ways was maybe silly for them to travel all this way. If their car was breaking down, they had a death in the family, like all this horrible stuff was happening, but they still get there and then got to do the same silly thing where they run after the van to get back out. Could not break Olive's heart. I know. I like it. I I think it's it's a movie I didn't see as soon as everyone did because I feel like it had a very like strong following to it. But I I still like it. I think there are some moments where I'm like, okay, this is a little bit too much. Like sort of the coincidence of Steve Carell running into the person he knows in the gas station. I I don't know. I, I still like it on the whole. I just didn't quite connect with it as m- most people did, but I still think it's solid. I still think I think it's definitely a staple of the road trip movie because I remember any time I would mention one, everyone would talk about Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, it's very very uncomfortable. I don't know why people loved it so much. I did love the framing. Yeah, I will say that I thought it was a beautifully shot film. Mm-hmm. Um, and just and- the iconic image of that one van going down mm-hmm. the road is great. Yep. <laughs> it made me want a van. Not yeah. gonna lie. And the amount of support that she got from her grandfather is just so heartening. Which that makes it only the more heartbreaking that he dies on the way. It's true, but it also I don't know, it's it's so encouraging that she performs anyway and she does yeah. this <laughs> terrible, terrible you all really need to see it. You need to see it just because so that you can see Olive's routine <laughs> because she gets there and it's all these you know pageant girls groomed in their very hypersexualized outfits and the whole and thing she's just herself and and still she does a burlesque performance that terrifies people even more 
that's what she wanted to do it is it is we love i think all is fantastic i just think (laughs) it's it's tragic that she's also so bad yeah i know but how else will she know what the experience was like she would be more sad if she didn't get to do it yeah exactly like we had they had to take her i'd never crossed my mind that it was absurd for them to take her if anything i just thought i just thought there would be there would be at least one thing that she did really well and I would feel like she was supposed to win but no you don't get that (laughs) uh yeah do you have any closing thoughts I might I might throw a a surprise at you for another road trip movie a movie I know you've seen that I think still counts but I think you'll laugh at but before do you have any closing thoughts on Little Miss Sunshine um I love Olive's little red onesie. Okay, carry on. <laughs> so I think Mad Max Fury Road absolutely counts as a road trip movie. You know what? I haven't seen it, Chase. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you saying? Yep. I feel like I remember seeing you see it. Or maybe I'm maybe. confusing it with another Campus Films movie when we went maybe. to the same college. Okay. Well, I won't say anything, but you should see it. It's real great. It's a road trip I, movie. It absolutely counts. <laughs> I absolutely always intended to watch it, and I just never got around to it. It's honestly fantastic. It's really, really good. But I can't say anything about why because I want to give away. But it's real good. Well, I recently watched another Charlize Theron movie. And was it the Old Guard? The Old Guard. Yes, it was. We can talk about that. That's a road trip movie. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Did you I like it? I did. It was definitely a fun movie. I Yeah, me too. Yeah. It was I mean, I I like movies about immortals to begin with. Oh, for um, sure. I thought that the fact that they don't really give you an ideological reason to why they are this way yeah. is really interesting to me and I hope that there are prequels and sequels. I really do. I, well, I want them. Well, set up for a sequel, absolutely. They have. And I'm on board for that, even as I, I want thought, prequels, too. I, I, but there's comics. You could read the graphic novel comic. I'm not doing that. I want a okay. prequel film. <laughs> Don't y'all point me towards some other media. You decided to make a movie. So what you need to do is make sure that you make some more movies that explain this. I need to know. I want to know their backstories, all these little characters that I'm in love with. Well, you can watch Mad Max Fury Road because then they're going to do a prequel to that. So yeah. that's already in the works. That's, I mean, if we ever get movies again. But um, I know, we're probably not going <laughs> to. But yeah, no, I really, I really liked that one. I liked how diverse their cast was. They did a really great job. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked to see more character development from Charlize Theron's character but admittedly he was kind of the strong silent type and foil to a lot of the other characters absolutely I think that her character was a lot more like the protagonist that you usually get in novels where they're the least interesting character and the the plot is about the yeah the life that surrounds them and I, I liked that that was good um and the line, his kiss still thrills me after a millennia. I know. My little gay heart. Oh, baby. <laughs> and what's great is then it's followed up with a scene of them just, like, killing everybody in the back of the truck. And mm-hmm. it's like, 
they're they're cheeky enough to get away with it all that they can go big romantic speech hyper violence whatever we're going with it oh, but also the sort of just pure unashamed beautiful just clear yeah. pride that you can have when you're not worried about dying really moved me <laughs> because i feel like that moment was like oh what is he your boyfriend and it was i mean you you felt like that sort of threatening energy that you get from people who are homophobic but they didn't care they can't die you can't kill us so i can so, just give this poetic monologue ain't nothing <laughs> you can do about it beautiful beautiful well do you have any last minute road trip movies to throw out off the top of your head we've talked about it a lot where we're coming up probably on the end soon um i can i mean oh you know what <laughs> let's talk about a road trip movie that you hate that i haven't seen what is it <laughs> tell me about green book <laughs> oh god that's that's not even worth i don't even want to waste any time on that it's one of the worst movies i've ever seen just because of the bizarre like total lack of self-awareness that it has throughout all of it we can do tell you what we can do like a worst oscar movies episode and talk about it or just worst <laughs> movies because that honestly is one of the worst movies i've ever seen and i think the, the i listened to the new york times podcast the daily and the episode they did after it won the oscars was i think the most informative and interesting because it just is so the acting is good and i think both performers are good most of the character acting is good it's just the writing and structure of it it's just not it's so strange that it won best picture and i still don't understand who voted for it and if i could talk to them i would just ask them so many questions open open call if you can explain to me why you voted for green book I'm convinced no one watched it. Or maybe I wish they would have never watched it because I can rationalize that better <laughs> than just how strange it is. I'll, 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 I'll send you a whole thing where there's a group of people that reacted to the Oscars and when, they, when the Oscar for Green Book wins, they just absolutely lose it because they didn't, they, it had been the underdog favorite, but they didn't expect it to win. And then when it did, it's just so strange especially when you can look at all the other movies that didn't even get nominated that year. I'm glad Parasite won this year. That's that's not a road trip movie, but Green Book doesn't even get to be deserved to call a movie, let alone a road trip movie. It's it's not good. It's misinformation, it's revisionist history. It's so bizarre. I don't like it. All right, well let's uh I will mention these couple movies that sort of lost the bid for road trip movies I was going to watch. I know I can't believe I've wanted to watch Eat, Pray, Love over any of these films, but I just needed to see it. It's just, it's a classic travel okay. movie and it was time. Um, but I would like to, at some point, also watch um, Into the Wild, which I mm -hmm. never saw. The classic. Um, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. That's a pretty good one. Another Steve Carell film I haven't seen, but it looked really good. And The Long Dumb Road. <laughs> I don't Quite know if it's any one. good. <laughs> I just would really like to see it. We could do a part two. The only <laughs> other one I would throw out is like a weird one that I saw today in preparation for a movie that comes out next week. It's called Sun Don't Shine. It's just like two people driving around and there's something in the back of their car and you don't know what it is, but they're hmm. on the run from something. And I kind of like movies oh. where people are on the run 
And that's Queen kind of and Slim. Queen and Slim, exactly. I have not seen movie. that one yet either. We and could do I... that one. I remember there was some controversial takes people had about the ending. I haven't seen it yet either. But so yeah, maybe there's a road trip part two podcast in you all's yeah. future. Yeah. <laughs> Until then, um, we're now gonna do Chase's segment where he just talks really quickly about some movies that are coming out when you listen wait, to this. Wait, wait, wait. Can I can I mention a TV show? Oh sure, really is there a road quickly. Trip oh, it's it's not a road trip TV show. It's it's not really fully relevant. I tried to figure out how to work it in, but I can't. No, just jump um, in. To anybody who watches Norsemen, there's a season three. Um, it is a show that is mildly offensive. I would just put a trigger warning on the whole thing, honestly. Um, but it is also very funny. It's like the Vikings, the Vikings, like the people meet the office, like the show. And I really appreciate and adore the discomfort. And I'm looking forward to season three because we're getting some backstory. And when does season three come out? Um, yesterday. No, day before yesterday. Now, if it's Friday, it came out on Wednesday. So if you all were holding your breath for this show and weren't sure if there was a season three coming out or when, it is now. All right. Time for That's, chase chasing titles. I don't know. What oh yeah, whatever it is, we can just call it general like coming out or like what we've been watching. Um, no, chase, your name is Chase. We need a pun. Oh, okay, I'll just fine. we have to think, figure it out. All right. Um. So I watched a movie called The Rental, which is a horror movie directed by Dave Franco. And yeah, see, for people that can't see what I'm seeing, Quinell just made a face. I don't think comedy and horror are incompatible because really comedy is a question with a surprise answer and oftentimes horror is the unexpected something surprising you catching you off guard i don't it's tough to talk about this movie after i saw it i wrote a little bit about it but then i was like i need to watch it a second time to see if there's something i'm missing because there has to be more to this movie than what i saw but i watched it again and upon a rewatch it had even less of a substantive hook for me because the entire premise is two couples go to get a week away in a rental home on the beach very nice views but suddenly they notice things are going awry there's a mysterious substance of black powder which it looks like on their bed there's a locked door underneath the cabin the property manager is very threatening there's all these things that are raising alarm and as it kind of shifts focus towards the end, it becomes less and less compelling. And I think that's really unfortunate because it's really interesting to begin with. I think it's very confidently directed. It just is mostly the direction the story takes. It very much just feels pointless. You don't really get any sort of resolution to a lot of the questions you're setting up, which I don't know, have you seen um, Zodiac, the David Fincher movie? I haven't. I kind of was weirdly thinking about that because that movie ends where you're not 100% sure who the Zodiac Killer is, but it's kind of that lack of satisfaction that is more haunting because there isn't any catharsis of we finally got him for sure. In this, it's just sort of like, wait a minute, that's just immensely anticlimactic to then have the characters be... There's a scene where a character is looking at something and I'm like, oh, that something is significant. And one of the other characters asks, what is that? And he's like, you don't want to know. And then he puts it to the side. And it's it's a frustrating movie. I think there's a lot to like for horror fans in it. 
I just was very lost by the ending, unfortunately. I still would recommend it over, there's this movie called Radioactive that's coming out on Amazon Prime. It's called that because it's about Marie Curie and a lot of the research she did. She's played by Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike is the best part of the movie. The rest of it is kind of a very haphazardly strange biopic. There's always at least one or two of them a year because biopics are kind of a dime a dozen. I think there's a good story in here. I don't think this was it. It tries to grapple with sort of the themes of research and science going too far, but it never really sticks the landing on any of those and it comes at the expense of a bunch of other stuff. So everything's just kind of a mess and underdeveloped. The performance is good. Just the structure of the story is so strange to where it feels really trying to, towards the end, salvage it by making it more deep. But had already already lost the boat kind of throughout it for the rest of it. But I, I guess I would say the rental over Radioactive. But there's a lot of caveats there, even though... People have been liking the rental more than me. I just think it was setting up for something much more interesting and deep only to then bail on it. But yeah, that's it for me. A uh, question. So uh, mm-hmm. along the comedy horror, which I haven't seen a lot of films that sort of straddle that line, but I have seen one that we've all seen. Hopefully it's really mm-hmm. good. Um, how would you compare it to Cabin in the Woods? Uh, Cabin in the Woods is much more aware of genre this is mm-hmm. also similarly aware of genre. It kind of is a cliche. We have to go to this uh, new place, home. It just ends up playing into it and is much more straight-faced about it. I can't, I can't give it away because I don't even want to say this too much, but it becomes like more of a generic slasher story. And yeah. that's not particularly interesting. When it's The Cabin in the Woods, I there is nothing that will match that first experience of seeing the cabin in the woods and the directions it goes. And I don't even want to like call it too much of anything because if you haven't seen that, you should see that. This is just much more straightforward and all the acting is good. It has Alison Brie in it, and I think she's pretty good, even though she does some weird comedic moments. The <laughs> the property manager comes over to fix the hot tub and she pretends to like lick his butt crack in a weird scene and this is like right before everything starts to get very dire but she's the only one that doesn't know it and i don't know it's it's very strange because i watched it and immediately wanted to watch it again and the second watching was much more tension free because in the back of my head i was like oh this kind of is pointless and that's unfortunate but yeah cabin in the woods is great though i also had thought of that as well I just I try not to talk about that one because that's such a unique experience of seeing that and being just pretty blown away by the the guts that they sort of take and the the tongue in cheek approach of it. This this did not have nearly that level of charm. The poster is very weird. It's like him floating up towards the sky. It seems to be having all these grander aspirations and potential. It just never quite lives up to them. But if you're a horror fan, I think there's there's still an interesting kind of tension for most of it, even if it kind of loses it towards the end. It's weirdly enough, it made me remind me of this movie called Baghead, which mm-hmm. is much more of a comedy movie, very low budget. A group of actors go into the woods at a house and are like, we're going to make a horror movie. And then suddenly they begin to notice someone is actually stalking the house, potentially. See Baghead. Or... uh 
Cabin in the Woods. And then since we got lots of time, if you still want to see it, you could rent the rental. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that's about it that's about it for me um did you have any closing thoughts on anything camille or anything you nope that's all i'm just uh happy to be back i have so many ideas about topics that we could do, do um you tease what we're doing for next week uh next week we're going to do monsters and heroes and the fine line that separates them um maybe talk about some films like blade which straddled the line uh interview with a vampire maybe some hero films so stay tuned for that and i'm looking forward to be you know back on your airwaves (laughs) we're glad to have you back yeah people say that sure we'll make it a thing we'll bring it back thank you so much for coming back it was good good to talk to you as always all right well thanks for listening guys yeah, have a good weekend. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll we'll talk to you next week.